Uh, welcome to the first episode of the Kick and Cover podcast, uh, a podcast just about special teams. Um, today we have Nick Balliard uh, with us. He is the special teams coordinator at uh, Taze Valley High School here in uh, Central Ohio. Uh, coach does some great things with preparation um, and just um, developing their special teams. They had a uh, fairly good year on special teams from what we were talking and um, I think we're going to have a great conversation today on preparation, coaching our coaches, um, kind of what he looks for, etc. Um, but first, Coach, how you doing? Good. How you doing, man? How's everything going down there? Uh, it's going good. I can't complain. I mean, we last day of in-person teaching tomorrow before we go digital, so uh, for three and a half weeks. So can't yeah, complain. we're hybrid. So yeah. Well, that, that's a conversation for us for the spring that. May or may, yeah, we don't know. I'm not going to sit here and pretend we do know. Um, but for coaches who don't know know about you or know about Taze Valley, do you want to um, kind of just kind of give a quick background on yourself and Taze Valley? Yeah, so um, I, I uh, Taze Valley is a Division two school in Central Ohio. We play in Division two region. I think we're in eight, uh, which is actually more with the Cincinnati schools. Uh, there's only a few Central, true Central Ohio schools with us. Uh, we play in the Mid-State League, um, which is where Hamilton Township uh, plays, Logan Elm, uh, Amanda Clear Creek, Bloom Carroll, um, some of those schools play at. Um, so that's a little bit about Taze Valley. Um, we are uh, up and coming and growing. We have a new field house coming in, uh, brand new turf field last year. Uh, so we've got the facilities being upgraded uh, as well. So we've had a lot of success with coach Weber. Uh, our head coach has done a great job. Um, <clears throat> this was his seventh year as the head coach. He's done a really nice job. So Taze is no great, great kids, uh, great school district. So we're really excited. Uh, for me personally, I'm from Columbus city, uh, and went to a city school and didn't have an athletic bone in my body. So I, uh, was a student assistant in college and then I was a graduate assistant at Ohio Dominican with Bill Connolly. So that's kind of what Ottermine got my foot in the door and then Ohio Dominican really opened some doors. Well, awesome. And I, I've never met, I don't think I've ever met Bill Connolly personally, but I've heard nothing but positive things about him from coaches. Um, I've met his son a couple of times. Who's I think the offense coordinator at Marysville right now, if I remember is that right? I believe so. Yeah. yeah. Bill, Bill is a genuine great guy. Um, Bill is an old school football coach. He, he, uh, he holds you accountable. He definitely makes sure no stone goes unturned. He does. I, you know, I really, really, really am appreciative of the fact that I got the opportunity to work under such a guy like Bill. And I also worked under Todd Alice who worked okay. under Saban and Trestle. So that was a neat, high there with those guys to really teach a lot of details and I learned a lot under those guys I, I used to coach with uh, one of Coach Conley's uh, former players um, Tyler Hayes at, um, we were at Westland together he's at uh, Thomas Worthen right now um, but yeah I, I mean I've never met somebody more pa- passionate about long snapping in my entire life yeah Tyler was awesome he's a great long snapper I really enjoyed uh, having Tyler around um, so let's let's kind of move on from there. Um, let's start. Uh, actually, let's start with with uh, what I call swing gate and muddle huddle. I mean, you. I mean, I think that's probably out of like we've probably talked about three or four hours between phone and 
in, on virtual at this point, and we've probably spent what probably half to two thirds of that talking <laughs> swing, <laughs> swingy gate bottle stuff. So I, I, I do want I do want to hit on interesting fact. Like, how do you prepare for that? Because you don't necessarily. You're not, I mean, we all kind of know we may see it one year, we may not. So how do you, like, do you want to explain to people how you kind of prepare for that or kind of your method for that? It starts in January, um, introducing this to the players. Um, it As soon as we, uh, I started as a special teams coordinator last March, so during the COVID quarantine, and uh, we started introducing Muddle because uh, our season opener every year, they our opponent runs Muddle Huddle, and they have for eight years. So we have a cut-up of every Muddle Huddle formation that we, we've ever seen. So a lot of it is just this one team, but then there's some other teams trickled in that we've seen over scout tape, and we'll throw it in there. And then we'll draw up muddle huddle and we rep it in July for an entire 20 minutes, just muddle huddle looks. And what that does is it gives our guys some comfort. So when they go in to play muddle huddle, it's not an, Oh my gosh situation. Um, There was a team we played, we played Logan at the very end of the season this year. And uh, coach Eddie and that staff did a really nice job with muddle huddle um, because they converted, I want to say two or three, uh, two point conversions out of model huddle out of different looks, uh, whether they ran ISO or kind of had a rollout sprint out pass. Um, so we, we made sure that we had that on film from the year before. And then we saved those clips going into next year. So we have that backing of it's already a scout card. It's already there. So our guys see it in August and in July when we start doing football on the field, they already have seen muddle huddle. So it's not a, we're trying to do it on the fly. Um, And I've been very blessed to coach against uh, Tiffin university way back. And I seemed like it's way back, but in 2013, Gary golf was the head coach at Tiffin and he ran muddle huddle and there were about three different variations and they had a snapper eligible. They had an, they had all kinds of stuff going on. And, um, basically, um, I still have those. So we drew those up and added those in. So just getting the guys used to seeing is huge. Okay. Now I I do have a question on top of that is when you got, when you put your, field goal PAT block out there. Do you leave your defense out there? Do you substitute a couple kids? Do you substitute every kid? Everybody has a little bit of philosophy on that. What's your, your guys's? Don't sub. Okay. <laughs> um, the reason is, is they're, they're a defense, you know, that's a defensive play. Muddle huddle, is, we treat it as goal line defense. Um, we teach it to our defense, the rules. He's eligible, he's not eligible. And it just prevents that movement to where we're already there and we're settled and then we can maneuver guys around that are already on the field without subbing a bunch of guys okay so we just we just rep it and then that way our guys who are second string and you know subs they see it during the week 
so we can just trust them and leave them in. And we're very fortunate to have great kids who pay attention during practice and get mental reps and um, do a great job with effort. So then that way it's a good look. Yeah. Now, now, and then I'll kind of continue on to my next question is, and before we get into like preparation and um, staff assignments, um, how much subbing do you do on special or try to do on special teams? Like everybody's a little different. Every head coach is a little different on what they request or mandate or whatever. But like, do you, and then what, what units do you try to sub the least on? Well, I think the first thing is our head coach's philosophy is best players are on special teams. Um, we want the best on special teams because it's a third of the game that gets a tenth of the preparation and a tenth of the appreciation. And so we want to utilize it to our advantage to put the best on there. Um, typically, our starting punt team, we'll put our best linebackers, fullbacks, uh, tailbacks, and our best speed as the gunners. Um, we have a 120 pound long snapper who that's what he does. And he's awesome at it. And he's a great kid. Our personal protector this year was our backup running back. And he was kind of our special teams guru. He was our captain on every special teams. He lined up punt. He lined up field goal for, as a wing. He lined up kickoff as the L two. So, um, punt, we try to put the best guys on there. Um, for blocking so we would have our fullbacks we would have our um dependent so this year we ran a little bit tighter of a punt formation just to you know help us out a little bit with what we had we adjust every year just depending on our personnel but punt we want our best uh kickoff we want our best speed and uh attackers they got to be able to tackle um the thing is is you can't have a guy who can't tackle in the open field on kickoff because if they get lonely in space it's not going to be good and the one thing is you want your outside guys to be disciplined contained guys um and i think that's where we see some teams do looping and things like that you know it has to be natural so we try to put guys where they're naturally at so a corner is naturally a contained guy. What's his job on run support? Outside, right? That to funnel things back in, right? So we want the corner to be on the outside. We don't want to put a safety out there. What's the safety's job? The safety is an alley player on defense. So we want to try to talk in in fundamentals that they already know. So uh, kickoff return. Um, again, it's just, it's hard. It depends on kickoff return. We had a couple guys who that was their, their forte, uh, same with kickoff. We, we have a couple guys here and there on every unit where that's their forte. That's kind of what they do. Okay. That was a weird answer. Sorry. That was a long <laughs> answer. No, no, I, I get, cause like I said, every coach is a little different on that. Like I know coaches that want to keep their two way guys off them as much as possible. I know other coaches that, like, you will put the best kids on there no matter what. Or some coaches will be like, your best kids will go on punt, kickoff, because they're a chance for the opponent to score. Other than that, try to get some backups, um, some seniors or, J or juniors in there um, to give your two-way guys a break. Everybody's a little different on their philosophy. I'm always curious on what other people's is. That way I can kind of go to my head coach and be like, here's proof of my idea works. Um, 
Well, and we've tried to mix it. So we had a, a couple of young men this year, like on kickoff, who were to our long side, and they did an outstanding job. And they, that was all they did on Friday night. They, they, they went out on kickoff and kickoff return, and that was it. And one of them, that's how he earned his starting job versus Logan, was all year we had brought up, man, that guy does a great job. Man, he does a great job. And then, you know, he's an outside linebacker. We need an outside linebacker that week. And he was the first one to our mind. And we said, give him a chance. And he did a great job. Yeah. Oh, so no, I... we try to mix it in. We try to put our best on there, but also to fit what we need. We don't exactly want a 300-pound lineman running down the field on kickoff. That's <laughs> well, not, not a good idea. Yeah. Um, but we have, I mean – but we've also made sure, like, if you're the defensive end, and uh, we had a, a really nice kid who was a good football player this year, who was smart, who was just a coachable kid, we put him on everything, and he was great at it. And his his break was during offense, he would come out for a few plays and get a blow and then go back in. Yeah. Oh, no, I, I get that, Coach. I, I get that 100%. And... I will say this, if you're sending a 300-pound uh, offensive or defensive lineman down the field on kickoff, he's probably a Division I athlete. It's probably what he's about uh, to be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's probably what we call a freak of nature. And, well, you, well, if you have one of those, you probably don't need to put him on kickoff anyways. But that's a whole no- <laughs> That's a different story. Yeah. So let, let's go back to when you, I mean, you got promoted to special teams coordinator. Um, what was – what was that preparation like? Obviously, with COVID, it just messed everything up for everybody. I'm not going to sit here and say it didn't. But what was that preparation like? And then how much did, were you, in your conversation with your head coach, choose to keep and choose and want to change? Uh, well, I, I took a route that I don't suggest coaches take. I took two years off and then came back to coaching. And the year I came back, he asked me to be special teams coordinator. So that was – I don't suggest that route. That was an interesting route. Um, but I, uh, I would meet with him first over, you know, what he wanted to do. Um, he wanted special teams to be a, a force. He wanted it to be a bigger part of our program. He wanted it to be even more. And I think the one thing um, that we've been complimented for is that we have a head coach who, you know, is known for preparation. And he's known for making sure our kids are prepared, making sure our kids play fundamentally sound. And he wanted to make sure that that went back to special teams. So really for me, it was, what do you want to see and how can I help us get there? And what can the kids do that they're really good at? So that was really, it wasn't, I I wasn't going to go in with wholesale changes necessarily. Um, I had some ideas of some things I, I wanted to see. Um, but as a first-year coordinator, I, I probably tried too much too early. And it was kind of like uh, Icarus where you fly close to the, too close to the sun and your wings melt. And uh, I think that was the one thing I regretted. But during COVID, we just made sure that when we had meetings over Zoom, that we talk special teams as much as we did offense and defense. So we always had a special teams time. So if offense talked on one week, the next week was defense or the next week was special teams. And that was the whole session. 
And that way the guys knew it was just as much. And then we did it during uh, July camp as well. So, which was new for us. That was something that we had never done and we pushed for um, as a, you know, Coach Weber and I talked and said, we need to get it in early and we need to start repping special teams at ASAP. And so that helped tremendously. But I tried not to go in with wholesale changes because essentially it's his program and I need to buy into what he's doing uh, as an assistant. That's my job. So uh, I would just meet with him and say, hey, what do you what do you want to do here? What do you like? And then kind of work from there. Now, I mean, what, what did you guys – I mean, obviously we get 10 camp days in Ohio, in Ohio during the summer. Uh, this year that kind of got waived. You can do as many as you want. But what, what, what does that look like for you guys? Do you guys hit a different special – teams every day during those 10 days um do you have just a block of time and you try to hit what you hit do you is it very is it scheme oriented in july or is it drill oriented and then get to the scheme in august um last year we jumped right into scheme because we were looking at some things um I think this year we'll jump right into just one base look and the fundamentals of it. And really our goal for this year will be every player will know the fundamentals of these units. So even our offensive line, they need to know how to cover on punt because if the situation arose that somebody goes down and I need a punt offensive lineman right now, if I turn and grab the nearest guy, he'll know what he's doing. And if it's our 200 pound, 250 pound guard, let him go out and cover on punt. Um, and he will know what he's doing. So this year, July will be, uh, this coming year, July will be, what are the fundamentals of every position? And we do it based on day. So we do, uh, we talk, first of all, I think, we have two kickers and they both play soccer. So we try to work with them in regards to if they're going to be there, then we do field goal and kickoff. If they're not going to be there, we may do our kickoff return, our punt, our pump block, things like that, that they're not on. So then we kind of go from there. Uh, usually I think during camp, I don't remember. I think we got about 30 minutes. Okay. And then, so. So. Kind of going from there, when you guys got the two days, what did, what did that look like for you guys? How much time did you have? How did you structure that? Again, we had about 30 minutes, okay. I think, in a practice. So um, we made sure to cover. Now, I, I guess Coach Weber does a nice job of making sure that we do punt during team offense because it transitions our guys from offense to punt back to offense. Uh, and it teaches them that transition and it then it makes it to where it's more real. You know, the offense comes up because, it, you know, during a game, we don't blow the whistle and stop and go, okay, everybody get water, then we're going to come out and punt. It doesn't work that way. It's offense, punt. And then we just, so we, that helps with our time. Okay. Uh, we do a drill day. Um, I think we did about three. I think we only had maybe a week or two of to it. I think we only had about a week or two of days this year. It seemed like, um, so we did a couple of drills and we started out the gate with special teams this year. This year, special teams started practice. So, um, 
Because I don't really have good answers for you right on that because I don't have the answers right in front of me. Oh, you're a good coach. Um, um, kind of continue with that. How, how did you, I mean, how did you work with your coaches, get break that responsibilities up? I tried to just tell them before that practice. That way they weren't having to remember it on top of everything else that we have to remember with COVID of taking temperatures and, and everything else that we had to do. So I tried to tell them right before that practice, like, hey, this is what we're going to do today or tomorrow. I tried to text it out even the night before. Hey, tomorrow we're going to do this on special teams. This is what we got going on. When we did drills, um, so I'm thinking blocking stations, I asked certain coaches to run certain things depending on their unit. So the D-line coach probably needs to have get-offs. He's good at that. Um, (laughs) He's good at that. The outside linebacker coach probably should have coming off the edge. He's good at that. That's what he's good at. You know, the DB coach should probably get the jamming and snagging of the gunners. Again, natural fundamental for the coaches and then the the inside linebacker coach coaches running backs you know he can do splitting the bulls and how to get the hand placement things like that so we made sure to try to give coaches their comfort zone because then they were comfortable with and then we started guys in their position with their position coach to kind of help transition hey this is a defensive unit and a defensive drill. So tried to make it as normal as possible in regards to you already know this from defense. This is the only difference is now is they're punting. That's it. Yeah. So we try not to confuse the kids. I think the more information you try to play into their head, they can't play as loose. And when kids play tight, they don't play the way they want to play. Okay. And, and then kind of the last thing with the scheduling aspect of it is, um, what does your end season like Monday through Thursday look like? Because so you, you talked about Monday, I, I forget what you, your exact verbiage was on running through some stuff. So what does your Monday yeah, through Thursday look like? So Monday, we, Monday's a scout uh, tape, uh, scouting report day uh, with the guys. And then Monday's conditioning for us, um, kind of be in shape. Um, so when we do kickoff, we'll do it against the air through the goal line. The one thing I'll credit Coach Conley and Coach and Coach Al Moore at Ottermine did it as well. So I'll give Al a lot of credit for this as well as Bill. Um, you had to run through the goal line. And if you didn't run through the goal line, you did it again. And it didn't matter where the ball landed either. If the ball, if, if he could have pooched it 10 yards, you were going to the goal line because that was the purpose of that drill was to get you running in your lane as hard as you can to sell out. Um, that was our Monday was, and what we would do is um, if you weren't on kickoff, you were running gassers behind us. So we kick off from the 40 going and then behind us. So um, they would be running gassers. And if you didn't want to run gassers, then you would call somebody out on the varsity kickoff team that you wanted to compete against and say, I want to come over here and compete for a starting job or at least to get on the depth chart of special teams. And uh, that was a way to get guys competing and to push each other. 
and then we would do punt on air lanes just to make sure guys on the line understood their lane protection um and that was that was something we wanted that's a fundamental that we wanted to make sure we were working on because we did not want to get a punt return or a touchdown on us we got one from king's mills um which you know i took full responsibility for so um and, and i took full responsibility for it because i didn't i don't think i emphasized it hard enough that week to contain that guy yeah and not yeah. kick it right at him so that was my fault oh i i coach i mean i can tell you stories of things that i wish wouldn't have happened the past two years and i mean it's yeah i mean it happens and it, it best thing we can learn from it as special teams coordinators is to learn from it and okay this is why this went wrong how can i better how can i make sure it doesn't happen again is it yeah was it a scheme issue was it a, i didn't emphasize it enough was it should we just not have kicked to that kid because that's a bad life choice i mean there's <laughs> hey you know what i'm talking like there's some kids yeah, that just like, absolutely yeah i'll take the penalty just kick out of bounds no we're not <laughs> i don't want it yeah, within 30 yards of them yeah, and that's where – so that's our Monday. Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, um, what we would do is we would make sure that we would have – usually um, Tuesday was defense. So let's say our – let's just say for all intents and purposes, our kicker was there on Monday and Monday, Wednesday, Thursday. So the kicker usually were there about three days a week. Um, and the other day they would miss because they had a soccer game. So Tuesday defense, we would make sure to hit pump block. We would hit field goal block. If the team ran muddle huddle, we did that on Tuesday. Um, and then we would also do uh, probably just one more special teams. If the kicker's not there, it would probably be KOR because I love watching linemen kick for kickoffs and I love watching one of our coaches can throw the ball very well and so we let him throw the deep balls and we let the lineman kick the squibs um that was our Tuesday so on Wednesdays our kicker would come back we would kick field goals uh we would punt during offensive team we would do kickoff um against opponents so punt was against the opponent or against what we called Vikings up, which was basically everybody from the sidelines got to try to rush the punt. The training of that mechanism was after Hamilton, and I'll give Coach Varney credit. Uh, Coach Varney did a great job with his staff. I don't know who their uh, special teams guy is over there. I think it's Coach Gussler or Coach Parsing, but I don't know. Um, did an outstanding job. They brought a guy late. They'll line up in a 4-2, and then they'll shift and move really well. And it got our left tackle, and they blocked the punt. So after that, we went verse Vikings up. So we brought everybody. We brought the entire school, basically, at our punter and at our punt team, and it made our punter be faster. We didn't want him back there baking cookies and hanging out with the ball. We wanted him to get the ball off. So it was our way to get him some pressure. We did the same on field goal. Um, we had a young lady this year go out on 24 hours notice and kick against Cincinnati Anderson. And that was a comment that our snap or our holder made to her was, well, it's only 10, only 10 guys rushing you instead of 40 guys. So <laughs> yeah, right. 
and uh, which got her to, to settle down and laugh. So, and then on Thursday we do everything. Um, and depending on the opponent, um, there's there are certain opponents in our league that are notorious for onside kicking, and Coach Holbert at Logan Elm does a really nice job of catching teams off guard and got me my first game as a special teams coordinator and I promised myself I would never let that happen again um so he got us this year with that and that was something we learned we practiced pooch short pooches surprise on sides squibs we practiced hands team so what we did during the week was really cognizant of what are they going to do to us um you know, hey, you got the Logan Elm tape of us getting that onside on us. So we're going to practice our hands team during half of our KOR time to make sure that we're not getting that again. And we did that. We came out the next week. That team, one kick tried to pooch onside it. The next kick we came out, hands team. So we really, our kids do a great job adjusting. Good. So Thursday we do everything though, and in and we do it in a flow and go of the game kind of thing. What is, what does your special teams pregame look like? Fridays. Yeah. Um, we started with walkthrough in the gym, um, and usually that was attendance and reminders. Uh, we would take attendance. We would do some reminders. Um, you know, just to make sure everybody was out there. They know who what they were going. You know, just hey, don't forget this guy likes to kick it on this yard line, this hash, make sure that, you know, this is coming at us. And then um, that was our pre, like pre, pre, pregame. And then we would come out and do specialists. Um, I want to say about 75 minutes early before kickoff. And we would do punting, snapping, kickoff, uh, um, with our kickers and then all of those. And usually with our kickoff returners, I would pull them aside and just kind of work on fielding the squib, fielding the pooch, fair catching, putting a foot out of bounds to, to make sure that the ball is out of bounds by rule. And that way we can get it on the 35, um, things like that. So we would work on all that stuff just as reminders um, at the 75 minute mark. Okay. Do you actually practice like you're fielding those like onsides or some of those kick returns with hit their feet out of bounds so they get the penalty? Yes. Oh, that's awesome. I, I never see this is where I I generally just learned something like oh I never thought to do that. That is. Yeah. So it. Oh. But I didn't do as good of a job with it because Logan kicked it out of bounds and our guy's foot was about that far off. He claimed it was out of bounds. His foot was out of bounds, but it wasn't obvious. And so I talked to him afterwards and I said, hey, look, look, you know, if you would have moved your foot a whole step over, just put it on the white and then reach over and grab the ball. And that's just preparation and, and knowing, like getting the kids to understand the rules of the game and getting the kids to embrace the fact that those are the rules of the game. The rule of the game is if you have a foot out of bounds, the ball's out of bounds. And that's the way it works. I just, I've never thought to do that. Like, I love that. That, that is, yeah, 
That is definitely. I don't know if that's frowned upon. That is definitely circle pad on this pad I've been writing on this whole time, and I'm just like, you know what? That that's that's some good stuff right there. But I think I. I'll give coaches credit, man. Like I said, Eddie at Logan did a great job, man. He put it right. His kid and his kid has a leg. I've watched his kid in pregame. His kicker has a leg, and he's got a good kicker there, at Logan. And Coach Eddie did a good job. He put it right. I mean, that kid dropped it right inside, and it died. And <laughs> I just, I wish our guy would have taken just a little further step. And I, and I told Coach Weber, I said, that's on me. And so now I've got a little cut up, fair catching kickoff returns and making it a better fair catch, fair catching punts and making it a better fair catch signal and picking up the ball from out of bounds and making it clear. So Speaking of fair catching like, punts, the, the bane, one of the banes of my existence, um, <laughs> how, how well did you guys field punts this year? not that was my fault i didn't do a good enough job with our punt returners this year um, like that's been I, think I emphasized the block so hard that i forgot to emphasize the uh whole fair catching thing so like, we struggled and that was that was my fault with our guys now do you think that's because you didn't emphasize it or that's because high school punting so dang erratic uh i think i didn't emphasize it oh, yeah. i mean i'll give our guys credit that i think i think we have good kids and i think had i done a better job then we would have been okay Okay. But um, I didn't do a good enough job, and I think, you know, there's no excuse for that, and that's something I definitely told Coach Weber I need to do a better job of. Um, but when it comes to fair catching punts, win the field position battle. Yeah. The one thing I look at after every game is our de- – I actually look at it now during the game because I've got moved upstairs to the press box the last game, uh, two games was winning the field position battle. And – you got to win the DSA in high school football. You got to win DSA. And so that was one thing I really kept looking at was we've got to fit at least fair cast a punt. If we're going to go after blocks and we're going to be aggressive, that's fine. We're not going to have much of a return and we got to swallow that and just fair catch it. And so that's something we're going to work on this off season is how we're going to make sure guys are fielding punts and make sure they're doing a really good job with that. Now, now, with our, our, our rule about we can seven men, ten, whatever the hell it is now, I can't ever keep track of how many men we're allowed to hold it, hold after and actually do drill work. Um, how, many, how much do you plan on doing this spring with your kids, special teams-wise, uh, before June, assuming we can with all the weird COVID stuff? I'll try to do every day. I'll try to get two or three guys just privately with me outside doing something. I think the one thing is, is we got to get kids to, to have fun with it, to make it a competition, to really enjoy it because every kid wants to go out and run go routes. You know, I also coach the wide receivers and I made this comment to one of our, he's going to be a junior next year. He's a, he's a kid I had in class last year as a freshman and, and he and I have a really good relationship. And I pulled him aside and I said, you know, everybody, I said, you know, our 60-year-old chemistry teacher can run a go route. It doesn't require footwork. Can you run a well-timed, well-executed whip route? Yeah. Come back. Can you, can you do that? That's what you need to work on. You need to work on those routes. You need to work on fielding a punt. You need to work on fielding a kickoff. And you need to work on fielding a squib and a pooch and – fielding one off a one hop off the ground and 
you know, moving away from the ball and trying to fair catch signal it and let the ball bounce into the end zone and working all the, all those finite details to make you a great football player. Everybody can run a post. Everybody can, I can run a go route. Now it won't be very fast, but I can run one. <laughs> It'll be the slowest go route you've ever seen out of a wide receiver coach, but I guarantee you I can run a go route. That's great, Coach. I love that. And, and I'll bet you mine's slower with my rebuilt knee. Um, <laughs> as we're, since we're both receivers. Oh, I'm still receivers, Coach. I haven't re- been reassigned yet. So it seems like I coach something different every year. So, um, but yeah, I mean, so, uh, so I, I, I mean, we're all getting into our off seasons now. What are you – what did your what do you want your offseason to look like in terms of preparing for next year? Well, I, I want to make sure that our kickers are kicking and getting better, obviously. I think that's the most lethargic answer I could have given there um, was we have two kickers who are both outstanding kickers and to get them kicking and to get them on the turf field as much as we can and get them out there. Uh, to get our snapper to continue to uh, grow. And I think Cincinnati Anderson did the best job. They exploited some things with him. Um, So working on his technique of getting down the field and how that's going to look for him. And um, I want to, we want to work on getting some competition going with these guys. We want them to take pride in being a returner, take pride in, you know, running down on kickoff and start teaching them the fundamentals. So really during, you know, anytime we can get them out on the field, that's what my goal is this off season is to get them on the field. I'm also the bowling coach. So it's really hard for me, obviously, but even if I get them out there on the field at five 30 in the morning in the dark, and I turn on a flashlight, at least we're out there getting better. Um, I don't know how that would go over in the cold, but you know, <laughs> I, I don't mind it. Um, so that's our goal is to get them to be better football players and to continue, you know, one thing for me off the field wise, I need to do a better job of is building a relationship with a lot of these guys that I don't know yet. Um, Cause I just come back this year. And so I didn't know some of them. So that'll help getting to know some of those guys and getting them out there with me um, and really just building that relationship with them the best I can. So that's kind of my goal. Um, is just to work on the finite details and work on fundamentals. Um, schemes will come, but just working on fundamentals first. Yeah. No, I get that. That, that, that's kind of, that was kind of my – that was one of the things I was doing very heavily before COVID. I was, I was getting snappers in the morning, at least snapping, get some stuff in, do some drill work with them because um, I'd get a crew of them lift in the morning. So we'd lift, we'd do some snapping drills, have fun with it. But, yeah, no, I, I get you, Coach. And um, – Kind of, um, I mean, you talked about looking at every um, two-point muddle swinging gate humanly possible. Um, is there anything else that you like deep dive into, special teams-wise, that might be a little nerdy? That might be a little. I mean, cause let's be honest. Us, us special teams guys, like, if we're like, we're the outcasts of the of the coaches, like. The offensive coaches will break down the RPOs and have all the LSU tape, and we're sitting over here with twenty. Like I just showed you, twenty fourteen Yale swinging gate film. That just is just. And I was all about it. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that stuff. Um, yeah, man. So um, 
the one thing I'm working on is I'm going to buy the NFL All-22, and I want to watch every punt that the NFL punts, and I want to watch all the kickoffs of the NFL, probably more of the punts and PATs than kickoff because the new kickoff rules in high school don't apply to the, or the, I'm sorry, the new kickoff rules in the NFL don't really apply to us. Um, and the reason is, is how they identify, how they snap, you know, the fine, again, the finite details of how are their gunners lining up and not because we have NFL style guys at Taze Valley, but because I'm always trying to learn something. And I, I'm sure there's going to be a team from the MSL watching this video at some point, and maybe they'll hear this. I had a cut up made of every team we play against the last six years of their special teams. Every clip that I have on huddle the last six years and I'll watch it and I'll sit there and break it down. And I have another coach who's on our staff. Who's a great guy, a great friend of mine. And he and I will just joy. I mean, it's just, it's like Christmas every day that he and I talk about special teams and we would watch every clip and we're just watching because we're trying to get better and we're trying to prepare our kids. You know, um, if that coach has been there for three years, then I'm watching every single kick that that coach has had against Taze Valley or that we had on scout tape for the last three years. And so I love watching that stuff. Um, personally, I watch a lot of fakes too, to see, and, and the reason is not because I'm trying to get cute and draw it in the sand. I want to see how, what they saw to run that fake. So that way that doesn't happen to me as a coach to our kids, because the last thing I want is our kids to not be prepared and then them get a fake on them. Um, Cause that a hundred percent falls on me is to prepare them to not let that happen. So I'll watch fakes. I'll watch muddle huddles. I'll watch um, everything. Yeah. And I, and I do encourage new special teams coordinators to really dive deep into your teams that you play against, because essentially we're doing this for the kids. And the more that we know about another team, the better. Um, and to be, I mean, it'd be transparent, you know, it also helps build relationships and have builds credibility you know, for new coaches, you know, credibility. The thing is, is high school players, you have to earn their credibility. You have to earn their respect. And we played a game that that week we practiced a fake punt that we had seen that team run three years ago in a scout team. And I, I made sure that coach Caudill and I and coach Weber made sure we repped it and our guys took pride in the fact that when they actually broke the huddle to line up in that look and it was the only time they ever lined up in that look as soon as they did it our guys were barking it out on the sidelines i didn't have to say anything no i was because i was overly enthusiastic on the (laughs) sidelines like there it is there it is there it is and uh but it was great and so I, that's what I like to do in the off season. I like, and I just love watching football in general. So anything I can do to learn, I'm all about it. Okay. And then the last thing I got for you, because I know you got um, a meeting you got to go to after this. Um, and I know we're getting close on that and um, I want to make sure 
I've had enough time to save this, make sure everything saves well, and chit chat a couple yeah, minutes good. afterwards. Um, what are the biggest? What's the biggest lesson or lessons you learned from your first year back and um, coaching special teams at Taze Valley? Um, a lot of things. I think one of the biggest things I learned was that don't get too ambitious. Um, really, I think the one thing is to be transparent originally I wanted to line up in a different punt look every time we punted. The problem with that is problem with that is the fundamentals get overlooked and then you're confusing your players. And so, and again, we're doing this for the kids, not for us and our egos. And so did having too many looks put our kids in a bad position? Probably. So it was one thing that I learned was let's slow down and get back to the drawing board and, you know, how to, you know, and focus on finite details of what is my job and focusing on the details more and more. Uh, and that's something that coach Conley taught me was don't leave any stone unturned and to make sure that all those finite details get covered. So that was something I really learned this year. Um, the other thing, like I said earlier, was having a special teams captain was probably the smartest thing that we did this year as a team uh, was we identified a guy who that was going to be our guy and he was going to be our guy on every special teams. And he was a senior this year and he was he was going to line up our punt he was going to make sure we identified right he was going to make sure that all those things so those are some things i learned this year um and just to appreciate it because you know when i was first going into this i think i was a little bit egotistical and i think i was out for myself more than i should have been and i think taking two years away to get married and to settle down a little bit and to start teaching at a great school, it made me personally appreciate our kids even more. And to come back, I just told them every week, like, I just appreciate the opportunity to coach you. I just appreciate the opportunity to be out here with you. And uh, so those are some things I learned that maybe some coaches don't learn as fast as they're still chasing the title. I want to be a head football coach. Yeah, but you know what? If you have great kids and a great teaching job, there's nothing more important than that. You know, the teaching's what pays the bills and, and puts food on the table. And if you love your teaching job, then that's all it, it, because you love your kids. That's all that matters, you know? And so it doesn't matter what they make me do. Um, so those are some things I learned this year that hopefully I can rub off on some younger coaches that listen is embrace where you are. Just have your head where your feet are and enjoy that. And, be all in your head coach, even if you don't agree with him, just be all into him because at the end of the day, it's his program. It's, it's his way. And so you got to be all in to help him out. So if he goes down, you're going down too. <laughs> there, you know, that's the thing. People that's don't true. realize that people are like, well, you know, if I, well, you know what, you're there for a reason, you know, coach those kids you coach and love those kids you coach. So, uh, I'm super excited to keep coming back to Taze. Taze is a great place and great kids. So, 
Well, Coach, I appreciate it. Um, anybody that wants to get a hold of Coach, um, his contact information will be in the bio of this video, or if you're listening at it on a podcast site, it'll be in the description. Um, that way, if anybody, I'll put his Twitter handle in there, and then do you want your email in there too, Coach? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, so I'll have his Twitter handle and his email in there uh, for anybody that wants to get a hold of him. Uh, don't hesitate to reach out. Um, me and Coach have been messaging back and forth for a couple weeks after I tried to schedule him. Uh, <laughs> mid mid midway through the year, when we were desperate for a team, like, oh, do you have an opening? Do you have an opening? Do you have an opening? <laughs> it's like, I think me, my head coach, and my athlete director message probably about forty schools that night um, after we got canceled on. So, so hey. we. <laughs> yeah. So hey, we've all been there. So, um, but this was uh, the first episode of the Kick and Cover podcast. I thank everybody for listening, and um, it, we will be back with another guest uh, here soon. Thank you.